And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Tuesday evening? Champions League night? We're, we're doing good. We're doing good on a Champions League Tuesday. And uh, we are 90 minutes away from uh, being sure of a Serie A team in the Champions League final, which probably dedicates us to doing these things on Tuesday nights from here on out. <laughs> just so that yeah. we can accommodate, uh, yeah. you know, some of the uh, Champions League activity that is going on. So, yeah. um, how about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, my life is good. Uh, you know, I think I think we're going to be eating a little bit of crow tonight with Inter because we didn't take into account of the the Pazza Inter side. You know, they sometimes they show up and they do unexpected things like they did tonight. Uh, so I'm good. Uh, seeing that it could be a very well an Italian team in the finals, very close. Uh, mm-hmm. so don't chickens yet, but yeah, it's looking good at the moment. And so, yeah, Tuesday nights, uh, Champions League nights seem the way to go. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I myself uh, am uh, sorry to all Inter supporters for doubting Inter uh, here at Benfica and doubting Inzaghi, I guess, in cup competitions all of a sudden. I mean, but, but the, the form's there. You're looking at it, and you're just saying, man, how do they go to Benfica and win? How do they go in Benfica and get a result that's going to work for them for the second leg? And here we are. Um, so, uh, you know, it never seems to amaze. It's incredible um, what, uh, you know, shifting some clubs are, just have that ability. They just shift their attention to a different competition, and they they, they flip the switch, and off they go. So, how about that Pazza Inter? Fail in Serie A, but Inzaghi is a cup merchant. And yeah, yeah we've got yeah. Uh, Apex Crafters in the house. Anthony is Anthony LaFleur is in the house. Anthony with another uh, another quality job of collecting some Who Won Calcio Twitter nominees for us. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Eduardo's always supported the Moneyball. And Mar- Eduardo Hernandez, uh, he shows up in the chat. Uh, for Inter wins, like uh, Di Rosso or whatever his name is, shows up in my oh, yeah, Twitter yeah. whenever Milan lose or draw that trick. <laughs> um, he, I haven't seen him in a while. I am not worth. I I am not worth being trolled. I just am, I'm not. <laughs> this guy just wastes his time every time an adverse result for Inter. This guy's going to show up and send me a message. Yeah, it just was. It, it it mystifies me. It's like, dude, do you have anything else going on with your life? <laughs> so um and anthony always delivers for us you do anthony and we appreciate hey, salute um, i've got a little uh woodford reserve going on here uh with um this new soda that that we found it's called olipop have you have you, have you and we're not no no by no way are they sponsoring us and they're probably going to get angry at me for um for doing that but that's a it's a soft drink and it's uh it's 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 got a I guess it's got fiber. Uh, so according to according to my wife, and I took a look at it, it's like nine grams of fiber. So. Just so you're aware, there's no bathroom breaks on our podcast, Frank. Just just FYI. I'm don't worry. I'm I'm pretty regular. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm forty. I'm forty eight, not seventy eight. Uh, so we're all we're all good here. So fair <laughs> so. enough. Fair enough. All right, so we'll, we'll we're obviously going to start by breaking down Inter's big win here at Benfica in the Champions League, giving giving them a huge advantage 
heading into the second leg of the San Siro next Wednesday. Uh, we will also um, uh, batch the rest of match week 29. Oh, I'm all over the place. We should probably also preview Milan and Napoli tomorrow because that's kind of important. Um, so uh, we'll get to that. We'll look at the rest of the European contest, see if we've changed our mind a little bit on any predictions that we've made up to this point. Try to figure out who's going to start in the nine for uh, Napoli tomorrow uh, for you as well. Uh, yeah, and then a, uh, a a recap of match week 29 since uh, that took place on Friday and Saturday, uh, highlighted by Lazio's big win, 2-1 over Juventus. Uh, we'll discuss uh, a little bit with uh, this, this news coming up about uh, Roberto Mancini having an interest in Rayan Cherki of Lyon. For those who don't know, Rayan Cherki is apparently... 3% Italian. He must have went to like 23 and me um and and found out that he's got and and that has gotten Mancini's interest in maybe having him be part of the uh call up or part of the uh full, put him in the fold if you will, I guess, for Italy. Um you know, I guess anyone but Zaccagni at this point um since Zaccagni apparently rubbed Mancini the wrong way for mm-hmm. And take part in a friendly uh, so long ago. I mean, you, I, I only know I, there's only so long I'm willing to hold a grudge uh, on people, but you know, apparently uh, I'm not wired like Roberto Mancini is. So, and we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game, Richard, who won Calcio Twitter. So uh, let's take it away and talk a little Benfica Inter. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> obviously a big game to, to kick off the uh, Champions League uh, quarterfinals. Uh, Benfica hosting Inter in this one. Uh, looking at the lineups for Benfica, the host in this one. Uh, goalkeeper, uh, guy is good. I mean, I think I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Vlachonimos. Uh, um But yeah, he fantastic goalkeeper. And, and defense got Gilberto, Antonio Silva, Morata, and Grimaldo. Uh, holding the fields of Chiquinho and Florin, uh, Florentino. And then Jean Mario. Interisi know who he is. Uh, Rafa Silva, uh, Arsenis, and Gonzalo Ramos. Thoughts on the lineup? This is a, a team that we talked about for the last couple of weeks. Is that this is a dangerous team? Uh, they, as all Portuguese teams are, difficult at home. They can score goals. They can score goals in bunches. They rarely lose, even though they lost most more recently. Um, this is a team you have to take serious. And a lot of people were saying. Oh, you got get Benfica in the draw. This is easy draw. It's like hold your horses there. Benfica and all the Portuguese sides are difficult. And so, uh, thoughts on the lineup in this one? Well, I, I think that uh, Roger Schmidt had a very critical decision to make here regarding David Neres. Um, yeah. And I think coming off the loss of coming off the loss to Porto, um, I would have put Neres in the starting lineup over um, Arsenez. And I would have uh, went with something much more dynamic um, going forward that would have challenged this Inter team. Um, you know, I, obviously I, I speak this in hindsight's 2020 uh, because you know the impact that Neres had a relatively decent impact when he did come in, uh, come into the game. But take Neres out of this. And this Benfica team looks a lot more pedestrian, a lot more predictable. I, I thought that Rafa Silva down the middle in the 10 was an advantage for Inter because of uh, Brozovic's positioning. Um, I thought that Gonzalo Ramos was going to struggle to have an impact on this game with 
Serbi has been really good. He had a uh, he did an excellent job against Taremi. He did a good job here tonight. Um, you know, so that leaves us with uh, what for creativity, Joao Mario, or you're depending on Grimaldo and Gilberto to come forward from the fullback positions to provide service into what's going to be a very compact area uh, that Inter will defend. So, um, you know, Inter might have made Benfica predictable, but I think Schmidt made Benfica predictable before Inter even set out on the pitch. Uh, I got to unmute myself there. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with that. Um, certainly an interesting lineup, and and uh, I mean, again, like you said, they're gonna be more a little bit more pedestrian in this lineup than they were before. But um, uh, I'm curious in Eduardo's thoughts on on the way that Inter came out in this one three five two standard formation. Say what you will in the the the, the form that's been in the league, uh, but it's it's a proven entity in the Champions League in the, in the knockout stages, and we saw that against Porto. And in this one, they came out with uh, Onana obviously in goal. Uh, back three of Bastoni, Acerbi, Darmian. <clears throat> Midfield of Di Marco, Mikatarian, Brozovic, Barella, Dumfries. Up top with Jekko and Lautaro Martinez. <clears throat> thoughts on the lineup? Like I said, I'm curious on, Ed- on Eduardo's thoughts on the lineup. But Frank, your thoughts on the lineup? I mean, for me, first thing that, that screamed out at me is that we're going to give you the ball or we're going to play counterattack. That's what it, this, this lineup screamed out for me. Yeah, same here. Um, you don't play uh, – Chalhanolu doesn't play in this game. Um he wasn't. Oh, he didn't even make the trip. Isn't he? He's. He's. He didn't even make the trip. Um, Better off. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, I don't know. He, it doesn't show that he was suspended, so I wonder if he had a knock or what the issue was. Um, but I, 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 I forgive me, guys. I didn't read up on that. Uh, Eduardo, maybe you might know. Um, so I, I look at this and I say, okay, you got Brozovic protecting the back three, so. Uh, he's cutting off any midfield supply into Gonzalo Ramos. He's dealing with Rafa Silva. You know, he'll be ready to cut passes from a player in particular, Chiquinho, who I think is pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of been the de facto replacement for Enzo Fernandez in this Benfica team. Um, and then uh, the other interesting one uh, for me is DiMarco playing from the start. Um Maybe some criticism for what kind of defender he actually is on the left-hand side, but he might be a better defender than Gozens. So yeah, I think so. So he, he kind of ends up in there by default, and then you have him in there for the set piece uh, equity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took quite a few corners in this game, and he pumped in some crosses and things like that. So he brings that dynamic. He's not a guy that Gilberto had to be particularly concerned with defending that flank. Um. You know, but he can pump them in from earlier positions. Uh, you know, where where he looked to attempt to do it certainly in the first half. But the guys that the guy that I thought, you know, you know, we should probably talk about as it pertains to Inter is Henrik Mkhitaryan. I thought he was excellent in this game. Yeah. Um, but when we when we look at Mkhitaryan, or we looked at him when he was in his prime, you know, whether it was Roma or, or Manchester United before that, or you know, or wherever he played, Shakhtar, yeah. Yeah, Shakhtar. Yeah, he was the midfielder that you better not lose when they countered, because yeah. uh, he found the space behind the forwards, and he seemed to find the space right. He, how many goals did he score just by getting behind players and getting into blind spots of of opposing defenses, and just he's there and he bangs yeah. them in. Um, but his role's different. He still will do a little bit of that for Inter, but he's really turned into a engine room type midfielder winning tackles, intercepting, you know, 
will commit the professional foul here and there when it has to happen. Um, but I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch in this game. Um, you know, I think that, you know, people will talk about Barella and Barella was, Barella was excellent. He obviously scored the goal. We'll talk about Bastoni who did everything from his position in that, in that back three. But I think that, you know, Mkhitaryan's a bit of an unsung factor, uh, you know, and how this played out. Um, the Jekyll start surprised me. Um, you know, I thought that Romelu would start the game, but, you know, Inzaghi might have decided, okay, let's uh, let's put him in, let's put him in off the bench and and and, and bring something different when, uh, you know, if the game is tight or if we need to get an extra something or that sort of thing. And then we'll start with Jekyll as that aerial target for DeMarco's crosses, um, for Dumfries' crosses. Um, and then, you know, if we've got to make the switch and go to something different, we've got Lukaku to turn to. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it seems like Eduardo said that uh, Chalanolo picked up a thigh injury with Turkey. Uh, that's why he was left out of the lineup. Um, uh, I guess, okay. I guess yeah. in the Fiorentina game, before the Fiorentina game. So it was with Turkey before the Fiorentina game. Um, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling that maybe Lukaku wouldn't start just because he started the Serenitana game uh, and got a good amount of minutes in that game, I thought. Uh, so, but, mm-hmm. but to your point, yeah, you know, the pairing that seems working the best at the moment is Lukaku and, and, and Lautaro. Um, but, you know, Jekyll has experience, obviously. He's a he's, uh, savvy vet as well. Um, interesting first half. I mean, there were some guys who played phenomenal, I thought. Mkhitaryan, Brozovic. Uh, some guys who were probably not so great in that first half, um, you know, particularly the wingbacks. Darmian, excuse me, Darmian. Um, <laughs> DiMarco and Dumfries. Um, could it hit? Could the first half have gone? I mean, could have they gone down in the negative? You know, down a goal or two in that first half? Do you thought after that? You know, and zero zeros are obviously in the first half. But what were your thoughts on the overall in the first half assessment? I mean, I thought they, I thought they did what was required. You know, when you're an away team in the first leg of the Champions League, you're trying to get this, you, you know, game shortened as much as possible. You're trying to limit the opposition as much as possible. Yeah. While at the same time trying to figure out where you can go find one. Um, and I thought they did that. I think any of the real nervy moments of the first half or inter were their own doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they and it wasn't out of nerves. It was just out of misexecution. Um, and where Onana got called to save and I can't remember the player that made the error. I want to say it was Brozovic. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that stood out. But then you take a look at the first half. Uh, it's a Benfica that didn't really create a whole lot of danger. And I think that you have to, you know, you chalk that up to how they started and the lineup that Schmidt put out there. Uh, but then you also chalk it up to the way Inter, uh, set themselves up the way Inzaghi had Inter set up here in the first half. Uh, so no, I think that they, they, they did what was required. Um, they did a, you know, they did a professional job. Um, in the first half, uh, nothing really more than that. But yeah. sometimes you don't need that in these kind of ties. I think we see this a lot with Italian teams. Maybe not so much Napoli, but certainly Milan uh, and even Juventus. Is that when they're in a in a cup tie, a two legged affair, they're going to be pragmatic about things and be smart and not give up the uh, the big yeah. breakaways and goals. Um, say what you will about Inzaghi in the league and even Pioli. Both these guys know how to manage cup games, and it's evident in this in this in this tournament this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inzaghi, in particular, uh, we saw he did with Lazio, and, and this year the team 
are they as good as they were as they were previously? Maybe not, but he's found a way for this team to, to hit the right buttons, uh, and he's been hitting the right buttons, right calls uh, yeah. in these games. And I mean, it's evident, obviously, in the Porto matchup, obviously in this first leg here against Benfica, and they're they're doing what they have to do to win. That's all that matters. And the cup ties, as we've seen it in the history with, with the Italian teams, it's about the defense. Playing smart and getting the goals when you need them, and they got timely yep. goals. Uh, speaking of goals in the uh, second half, we got a goal scored. Beautiful goal. This is goal of the week if it was in City A for us, right? Uh, <laughs> it was goal. Bastoni comes in, and Bastoni's done this millions of times before. Beautiful, beautiful cross. I mean, pinpoint accuracy. The Barella, the smallest guy on the pitch, header wonderfully placed by him in the, in the far corner. One nothing like that. And I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, Inter gonna win this game. I mean, they're they're ready to play. I mean, first of all. Fantastic cross by Bastoni in this in the, uh, on the goal, and then Barella to finish it off. It's not easy for him. I mean, talk about this play and 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 how it ended up, you know, getting given into the lead uh, early in the second half. I mean, pinpoint from Bastoni uh, on the cross, um, and this this got. I I think the goal helped settle Inter. I agree for the balance of the game. You know, there was there was they, they, I think they were assured in what they were doing and in the game plan that they were carrying out. But there were still those little pockets of of, of, of moments that were uh, you know an old worry, you know, nervousness, things like that. Little, you know, the slightest mis-execution, the slightest lapse in concentration, and suddenly this perfect game plan you're carrying out, you're behind. Yeah. Um, you know, so that goal I think settled them um, quite nicely. Uh, that. Um, you know, they were able to, you know, allow Benfica to play a little bit more. They were able to allow, you know, take their chances on the break, make a substitution, you know, make the substitutions like they did. All right. You know, Martinez, Jekko, uh, DiMarco, Gozens can come in as a guy that, um, all right, now can we counter and can we get him bombing down the left instead of pumping in the early crosses? And now let's bring in Lukaku and Correa who, you know, aren't, you know, Lukaku's probably more of a target, but both of these guys have the ability to stretch the other team on the counter. So I thought those were some interesting substitutions that uh, Inzaghi made at that particular moment. What were your thoughts? Um, uh, let's go more into depth about those substitutions because at that time, and I think even the announcer said it, is like Inter just scored a goal. They're up. It's like, do you tinker or do you not? Because it's happened before where you tinker and it fails miserably, right? And the question is, like, do you keep the same team out there, run them ragged because you are winning and you don't want to – you're not sure that, you know, you bring somebody else and it'll change the dynamic. Um, and Izagi rolled the dice and he brought in two guys, two strikers of, of uh, into the mix, and it worked out. It, it ended up working out for them. Yeah, I, I – you know, I don't – they were all like-for-like like substitutions, so the shape wasn't going to change. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so it was just creating a different dynamic – uh, for what you did on the counterattack going forward, okay, you yeah. still had the target presence with Lukaku coming in, but you had Correa who could who could run, who could stretch things. You had Gozens who could run and stretch things a little bit yeah. coming down the left, and I think that that you know can sometimes give the opponent some concern. You know, you, okay, yeah, you're going to commit a lot of numbers forward, but this is still the first leg, okay. If you try to go all out to try to tie this game and take a tie back to the San Siro, you're leaving a lot of spaces behind. So yeah. um, the presence of a Robin Gozins might limit a Gilberto, uh, you know, a little bit more and not give him as much, um, you know, uh, 
I guess, persistence in going forward. Right. You know, um, you know, Grimaldo was still going to that's that's his game. Okay. Um, but you know, y- you still can make these substitutions and you can still maybe handicap uh, a little bit of what, what Benfica could try and do. Um, you know, you bring in, they, they, they bring in Neres after uh, mm-hmm. Schmidt brings in Neres after, you know, Inzaghi brings in his guys uh, and he brings out Florentino Luis. So now it's Chiquinho protecting the back four by himself. So that was the other elements. And I'm going to just go like for like, because you're going to make an attacking substitution, another player that's just going to fall right into our shape. And when we counter, that's one less guy you've got protecting your defense. So Sir Alex Ferguson did this all the time at Manchester United. He did. He did. If you sub on a winger or you sub on another another attacker, I'm going to sub on another winger too. You know, and and just because yeah. you're giving up a space by bring, bringing somebody out trying to get get back in the game, I'm going to bring a winger that can attack that space. Exactly. I saw Carlo Ancelotti do it when he was at Chelsea against Manchester United. I began, it was a league game, but he brought on, uh, I think it was, uh, who was the young kid? Um, name escapes me. Ivorian player, though. Um, but he did it after Ferguson brought on Nani. And, you know... And Ancelotti brought this guy on knowing full well uh, that Nani never tracks back. So he's going to bring this guy into the game and he's just going to have him go into the spaces. And I think that he was part of the buildup that gave Chelsea a goal that killed the game. So those substitutions happen. You don't get a one nil lead and then all of a sudden just throw in three defenders and take out three attackers. You know, sometimes you make shrewd moves like this. And I thought that was very smart uh, on Simone Inzaghi's part. I mean, the substitutions and the, the, the pundit said it was a gamble. Kalu, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How old are we that that Solomon Kalu? <laughs> we shall not name. We shall not talk about that here. Yeah, um, I know. Um, uh, but, but I, I, you know, I think back to your point, you know, with Inter. I mean, anytime you're on the road and playing placing at a daunting place like Estadio da Luz, um, zero, 0 the game's obviously going in your favor, but obviously there's still nerves. You are doing the game plan and it's working out, but. When you get that goal, it certainly lifts up the morale in the team that you are like, we yeah. are doing this right. This is working. Uh, and mm-hmm. it gives you the extra confidence to continue on forward. And we, and we certainly saw Inter in this game uh, continue forward. And I think they, they probably looked the more dangerous of the teams, I think, of the two teams, you know, going down the stretch of the uh, second half. And yeah. with that persistence, there was a, uh, a, fure, a foray into the box. Uh, lots of chances going off around the goalkeeper. And lo and behold, they call VAR. Uh, I didn't catch it in live play. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, ended up being a handball by Ja Mario, former yeah. inter, inter inter player. Uh, that I didn't catch. It was a correct call, a harsh call, but it's a, it's a correct call. And Lukaku ended up coming, stepping up and scoring, uh, and doing the same celebration he did against Juventus. Um, I think Inter fully deserved this two nothing win. They get two two goals on the road, um, and it's by great game plan by Inzaghi. They they. Yeah, goals when they needed it. Obviously, the the Barella goal was fantastic, and then the Lukaku yeah. and the penalty that happened is maybe a little fortunate, but it doesn't matter. They earned it. Uh, I think it's a masterful performance by Inter. I think in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Inzaghi got it one hundred percent correct. I think that Schmidt made a misstep from the beginning by not playing Neres from the start, which yeah, I think his presence puts a lot more pressure on this Inter defense and makes them a little more unsure of themselves. But again, we're in the hypotheticals here, and there's going to be you know we're going to talk about some games from the from the league that <laughs> we're going to you know we're going to talk about hypotheticals there too. So you know, 
I mean, but we can go by the evidence that for the time that Neres was on there, he, he was, he had an impact. Um, you know, he was one of the few that had an impact. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos was terrible. Rafa Silva was terrible. Uh, João Mario, I think we've already, you know, the inter 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 Twitter feel like uh, <laughs> João Mario was the best was the best player for Inter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah. this game, I mean, so. you look at this statistic wise outside of the possession, it was a fairly even game. But I think optics wise, I thought Inter were by far the better team. I don't know what you, what were your thoughts on the game. Um, I mean, obviously two two nothing scoreline says dominant, I guess. But what what the optics tell you? I think they were more comfortable in what they set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, than than Benfica, I think it's their that, wheelhouse, right? It's their wheelhouse the way they play. Yeah. Oh, sure. And I think that in in the case of Benfica, um, does some of this have to do with just coming off of of losing to Porto at the weekend? Eh, a little bit, I can see Maybe. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but yeah, Inter had a you know they had a game plan. They believed in it. That belief just galvanized with the goal. Um, you know, and, but Benfica scores an early one. It's very easy to see this inter team get unglued. Yeah. You know, that's very true. at the same time. So, uh, it, the, the game worked out for inter, uh, and now they've got this massive advantage. It would take one of the all time bottle jobs for them to, to go out. Um, they'll have the crowd behind them at home. They're still going to have to be wary of what Benfica can do going forward. Um, there's no question about that, but, um, this was, uh, and Michael said it, he said, inter Michael's echoing, basically he's Michael's giving the cliff notes version of my long-winded take here. <laughs> inter knew their identity completely and Benfica looked uncomfortable the whole time. So, um, and Eduardo, so, yes, a trap game is coming against Monza. Now we are ready to suffer against Monza. <laughs> Uh, if it's anybody, it's Inter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know that B&G are going to be fired up for that game. Oh, yeah. Um, bunga bunga offers around. Yeah, they probably which, already did. Uh, not to deviate off the topic too much, but Berlusconi is in the hospital. I don't know if he's still in the hospital. Um, mm. He was uh, had some heart issues or something going on. So, you know, speedy recovery to him, obviously. Um, wish but, him well. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, Inter win two nothing. Uh, next game, second leg is on April nineteenth at three p.m. Eastern time. Hosting obviously as a San Siro or Giuseppe Miazza, excuse me for the Interisi. Um, yeah, it's gonna. I mean, I know Michael Richards was ready to say Inter are in the are in the semifinals. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to to anoint them yet in the semifinals. They have a good lead, uh, but like you said, anything can happen in these in these in these ties, two legged affairs. Uh, but they they have one foot in the door that makes it very close to be a all Italian semifinal and an Italian team in the finals, which would be fantastic for Serie A. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, next game. Uh, it's Inter. All to play for it is Pazza it, Inter. It's Inter. So yeah. we can't. We got. We do have to. We do have to pull the reins a little bit. <laughs> so, but we but we but we like the chances. Um, you know, and Zoggy in the cup. I think I, I have to like that. If it was, in the yeah, league. and that was just going to be what I was going to ask. I mean, do we, you know, where do you rate as far as current managers that are out there? Where, where, where do you rate Inzaghi in the, you know, as far as in the European landscape, as far as cup managers go? 
he's got to be up there. He's got to be up there. Um, if, if if you're asking me which of the remaining managers are more likely to blow a lead, he's not one of the first names I think of. He isn't. Yeah. I think what what we've seen with him under Lazio and what we've seen under with him his small sample size with with Inter the last few years, uh, last couple of years is that they're not a team that tends to blow these kind of games. Uh, and tac- tactically wise, he's he's one of the better ones in the remaining. Uh, and they've got a team that knows their identity, like Michael said. Mm-hmm. They're not going to deviate from that. And yeah, they're going to be at home, but they're going to say, hey, you know Benfica's going to want the ball because they're going to want to score. And that plays again to their wheelhouse. I feel confident. I mean, they're going to have to weather the storm, as you yeah. would expect. But I, I think Inzaghi's going to have the team ready. They're going to have that uh, the enormous aura of the of the of Giuseppe Miazza at their back, spurring them on. It's going to motivate them. And I don't I don't see them collapsing. I hope not, at least for Serie's sake. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Zaghi is is one of the top managers uh, remaining in the league in terms of cup experience and, and how they how they would do in the cup. Um, and I wouldn't even say Guardiola is up there, even though he's he's had a good team. He hasn't won a Champions League since Barcelona days, right? He might have a good chance this year. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, Zaghi is, is certainly you know towards the top. I would say. Yeah, he's got to be as you know of, of managers that are currently active. He's got to be as good as there is, um, you know. Ancelotti is obvious um, yeah. with everything he's yeah. done at Real Madrid, and um, he's got to be know, the top. You could, you know, I I would have made the case for Tuchel today, or I would have made the case for Tuchel, but today was a disaster for him, and I don't know if you can really. Pin a lot of this on him. I mean, Upa McConnell. Early for him with Bayern. I mean, yeah. they lost against Freiburg too in the, in the DFE Pokal. So, I mean, he hasn't got acclimated to Bayern just yet. But he took an, a Chelsea team that would be, to me, otherwise ordinary, uh, and yeah. and 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 won a Champions League with them. He he got PSG to the final. True. Um, nobody else has gotten PSG to the final with all of the riches and all of the resources, or close, or even close. Right, you know, so you can maybe make a case for you can make a case for Tuchel. Set aside today, though, if you do it, um, Guardiola. It's just been so long because of the, you know, he hasn't won the Champions League since he was at Barcelona. Uh, Klopp is up there. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Klopp is, you know, he's he, what he's been uh, two finals and he's won another one. He's actually three finals when you look at his Borussia Dortmund team exactly. that went up that, that lost to Bayern. So yeah, Klopp's up there as a as as a as a as a great cup manager. So I think people in Zaghi deserves to be up there. When you look at this year, getting in, you know, enter on the doorstep of the semifinals, got him through the group stage last year, got Lazio to the last six, Lazio to the last 16 of the champions league. So I think that, I think that you can make the case for Simone and Zaghi as, as one of the top cup managers in Europe now um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not afraid to, not afraid to say that. So yeah. um, we move on, Richard. We got Milan and Napoli tomorrow. And the biggest question that I think uh, that needs to be answered is who plays the nine? Thought I saw a blurb from one of our friends, and I want to say it was Joe Fis- uh, Fischetti who said it might be Raspadori yeah. that he yeah. trained. Yeah. Um, training so today. We, he was? Okay. So he yep. will, in, in all probability, we're expecting Raspadori to start in the nine role. Yes. Um, you know, flanked in all likelihood by Quaratelia and then Politano. Um, you know, uh, SofaScore projects Lozano to start. I think you could flip a coin on that position, but 
I mean, the rest of the Napoli lineup is going to be standard. It's Zielinski, Labotka, Angisa. It's going to be Lorenzo, Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Kim, and, and Rui. And then you've got Merritt and Goal. And then Milan, I think you're going to see a pretty similar setup to what they did when they went to the Maradona. Um, yeah. I, you know, Krunic is in the quote-unquote 10. Diaz will go off to the right. Yeah. Um, you'll have Timon, Timori and Kiara in the, in the back. So... Let's talk about this, okay? Because now we've seen two Napoli games without Victor Osimhen. Okay, we saw the game at the Maradona against Milan. We saw the game at Lecce. You know, for for all of the plaudits we've given Lecce for you know being a tougher outfit at home, mm-hmm. um, Napoli still came away and won. But it took a very silly own goal for Napoli to get that game over the line. <laughs> um, you know, do yeah. you worry that? The wheels of and, and this will be, you know, we saw the effect of of, of a Milan with a, an inform Rafael Leao. Because let's remember the first league match at the San Siro when they lost to Napoli, Leao didn't play. Yep. Um, so we've got a lot of things going on here. Yeah. Uh, give us a rundown uh, on how you see this game. I also keep in mind, I would not be surprised too if Politano starts in that false nine with Lozano at right. Um, and bring mm. if Raspadori is really is injury question. Maybe Spalletti saves his legs just a little bit for the second half, uh, but you know that's you know we'll see what what happens there. Yeah, I mean I think Milan's going to come out with the same game plan that they had in that four nothing game. Uh, are Napoli not the same team without Osimhen for sure? But this is still a very good team, and they are possession based. They have a rock solid midfield. Yeah, they had a blip against Milan, but for the most part, this team is solid from front to back. You know, yeah. and Raspadori. Don't forget Raspadori. He was scoring some goals for Napoli when, when uh, early on with them. And for um, Italy. And for Italy. So he can score. Um, obviously, Harvashile is going to be the guy who's going to be the target man. Uh, they're going to have to double up on him with, as, as they did in the first game with, you know, Brahim Diaz and Calabria back there and maybe even Krunic as well. Um, that'll be the key for Milan. This is going to be a far tighter game than that 4 nothing game. Yeah. Um, Napoli are not going to give up a lot of goals. I and mean, we saw against Lecce. Lecce put a good performance in and yes it's Lecce but uh we we talk about Lecce are difficult at home and and Napoli did not give up too much honestly uh on, on the offensive side or defensive side I should say so you're gonna expect this to be a tight affair it's gonna again be won and lost by the midfield it's a stupid cliche but it's true uh and what we saw the last time the first time they played Napoli's midfield were a better team right when they won three one or two one whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, and then Milan came back and their midfield dominated in the in the game against in the four nothing victory against Napoli so it's the, it's going to be come down to three versus three for the most part. Yeah, you know, got the other other guys playing, but who can dominate that midfield? Who can assert themselves? Um, is it the slick passing of Napoli or is it the crunching tackles of of Milan? Um, I it's going to be tight. It's going to be a one goal victory if anybody wins. Um, I mean, draw is very very likely. Uh, a score draw probably at that too. But um, I do, I I I would be shocked if either team had more than a had a two goal victory or more. I would be shocked. I, I think it'll be 2-1 to Milan uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm changing my mind just a little bit here uh, after yeah. some of the things that I've seen. I think they'll take the slight edge to the Maradona. Um, you know, I think that uh, maybe even 1-0. I mean, it's going to be – I agree with you. I think somebody wins this by a goal. I don't know if there'll be a draw. I Right now, I lean Milan just because I've got a two-game sample here with Napoli without Alcimen. And 
are they still producing? Sure. Are they as clinical? Me and not so much. Yeah. Um, you know, and then how, 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 how effective is Rospidori going to be first game back? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's not going to play 90. Salamaka's going to score again. <laughs> uh, if he plays, I mean, uh, right now he's not slated to. Yeah. Um, so I just, I think that Rospidori is a little bit easier to contain for Chiara and Tamori. I think it allows Milan to maybe shift things over in the direction of Faratelia, but you got to be careful with whoever is over on the right. If it is Lozano, okay, because they've been in here in the Champions League at least, they've been getting goals from the right hand side. So, you know, maybe in Serie A, not as much. Um, So this will be interesting. I don't think you see any Di Lorenzo scored uh, against Lecce. I don't think you see him creating any danger coming for heat. They're going to. He's going to have to be wary with Leo coming forward, with Teo Hernandez coming forward. That's not a space you want to leave um, too much. Rui might have a little bit more license to go forward if he's the starter there. Zielinski through the middle, if if he can get a foothold on this, that creates some problems for Milan. You know, but overall, I think that I, I think it's going to be a one goal advantage for Milan, and I think it's going to come down to something odd that we didn't expect. Okay, yeah. um, usually games like this do yeah. so. Uh, somebody unsung steps up, makes something big happen that that creates a goal, scores a goal, and I think that that's what we're going to see happen tomorrow. Uh, slight edge to Milan heading back to uh, the Maradona. They'll they'll be taking a one goal edge. I'll go two one because I think Napoli is going to be capable of scoring here. One um, nil wouldn't surprise me either. But let's go two one to Milan. I think we're going to see a, a stark improvement by Lobotka. He was that was by far his worst game, maybe with, with Napoli, uh, and certainly this season. So he's going to be better. You know, I agree. I, I don't think Di Lorenzo is going to be pushing up much, that much because of that left left sided threat that Milan possess. Don't be surprised to see Minjai Kim push up. Uh, he's been very willing. He's very uh, Lucio like for a former Inter player defender. Uh, very willing to push up on the attack when 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 the the situation presents itself, he could be someone you know you have to keep an eye out for. It's going to be a runner, I think that's yeah. gonna, that could catch Milan off guard. Um, I think again, it's going to be a tight game. I think Milan played better and more comfortable loose on the road, and I think this first game they're going to be a little hesitant to give too much. I, I, I think I would not be surprised zero uh, one one scoreline in, in this sure. one, um, just because I think. Milan at home have never been giving me that much confidence, even though it is a fantastic crowd. It's, you know it's going to be amazing. Um, just for some reason, they feel they play more loose and more um, disciplined on the road. And I think, you know, we'll have a, a fantastic game at the Maradona either, either way. But yeah, 1 1. I'm going to go 1 1 in this game. Um, shit, I wouldn't be surprised if how uh, Rashila gets his goal. You know, he, he can, as we said last time, you can mark the hell out of him, but he'll still get his chances, right? Uh, you lose it for a second, he's gonna make you pay. So we'll see. He'll produce. You're, you're not. You're not. You're not. You, you're not gonna take the game away from him. But yeah. you got to find a way to make the game hard for him. Yes. Um. You know. You, you, you taking the game away from him. I think you're gonna create a lot of anxiety with the players who are trying to take the game away from him. That's not gonna work. But if you can make the game difficult for him, that's a little bit easier to achieve. So. Um, all right, so let's just jump into the Europa games and the conference game. Um, uh, so 12.45 Eastern Thursday, Feyenoord against Roma. Uh, 3 Eastern, you'll get uh, Juventus against Sporting Lisbon, and you'll also get 
uh, in the Conference League. Fiorentina traveling to Lech Poznan. Um, let's start with this Feyenoord Roma game. Feyenoord can score at will. They lead the Eredivisie. Um, we talked about some of the key players there. Kokchu playing through the middle. Uh, Szymanski, the Polish international. They've got Santiago up front. Um, they've got Idrisi. They've got you know plenty of of, of attacking players. Um, and uh, so I I see Jose going there and parking the bus and seeing if he can catch them on the counter. Um, I don't think they'll keep Feyenoord out, but I also think they'll get something. I'm going to say this game ends 1-1. Feyenoord hasn't seen a team that can play this compact, you know, and I feel like this is a lot of, you know, Inter going to Benfica where Mourinho will have this team set up to play a particular way get comfortable as the game goes on. If they give up one, don't panic. They'll score another. There's a lot of experience in this Roma team. Um, I'm going to say this is 1-1 going back to the Olympico. I don't know if you heard the words. Uh, you know, someone who also agrees with you, Arna hmm. Slot, Arna Slot, the manager for Feyenoord. Yeah. Uh, shots fired today. He came out and said, you know, we play beautiful football. I prefer watching you know teams like Man City and Napoli. Roma, you know what they're going to do. They're not going to do it. They're not going to be a, a beautiful team to watch. No, they're not. Uh, he's, he's right, but he's also taking shots at Mourinho. Uh, I think that, you know, while I was initially leaning towards a draw and I heard those words, Mourinho has a way of pumping his team up when he gets um, bullet board material, bulletin board material. Yep. Uh, I would not be surprised if Mourinho find a way to get two goals against Fyrner. It wins up like 2 nothing, 2-1, uh, just to kind of shut up the manager. And Mourinho probably does something to, to the manager or the crowd to, like, ants them up. Uh, but yeah, I'm you know last minute breaking news. I'm going to change my my prediction and go Roma winning at Feyenoord based on those okay. comments. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. You can do that. We'll let you do that. So <laughs> uh, Juventus and Sporting Lisbon. This is the this is again a Sporting Lisbon team that we're all aware of what happened. They um, uh, they brushed aside uh, Arsenal uh, in the last round. They're capable. The Italian teams are starting to get a little bit of an edge over these Portuguese teams all of a sudden. Inter knocking out Porto and then Benfica, but Juventus really had a struggle when they went to Benfica in the group stages. I think they're a little more f- sorted out now than they were back in the group stage when they had to go and deal with that group. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that it's not as chaotic. That said, wow, this is going to be tough. Um I, you know what? I'm just going to bang the drum for Italian football at this point and say Allegri does the, you know, does the Italian job. No, figures out who to limit on the on the sporting side, which mainly is Marcus Edwards. You've got Pote there. You've got uh, Paulinho there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to go. Juve are going to edge this. They'll win one nil. One nil. Yeah, I, I, I too like Juventus again to win this one. But I think Sporting getting the goal somehow. It just I don't know. It just it seems like even though Juventus have been really well, especially at home lately, uh, I see something like a two two one victory. You know, get up two nothing, get a little cocky, and then you know lose a concentration and, and give up a goal. But yeah, this has uh, Juventus victory all over with uh, the way Allegri's been humming lately with Juventus. It really is is a different beast than they were in the group stages, like you say, because there was they were in chaos. Um, you know, they had. <laughs> Losing obviously to a team like uh, uh, was the Israeli team that they lost to, you know, um, 
uh, Haifa or whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I think it's a much different animal now. I think they kind of know what who their pieces are. They're still trying to figure out the striker position, but I mean, their wingbacks are playing, uh, midfield is playing really well. Rabio is still, he's still playing on another level since what before yeah, the he's World been Cup. really good. Yeah, so he's arguably one of the best players of the season for them. So, uh, and then obviously some of the youngsters like Fajoli too are coming up big for them. So yeah, I think Juventus do get a victory, a, a narrow victory in this one. Okay. Um, and then finally, Fiorentina at Lech Fiorentina wins two two nil at Lech Poznan. Okay. I think I think you know the the, the road trip's going to be they're going to be first fifteen minutes. The energy of the Poznan crowd is going to be there and. Fiorentina is going to hit him in the mouth, um, yeah. and and, yeah. and and then and then and then see it out. Get a second goal, take a two 0 lead back to the Artemio Franchi. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think also that wake up call from the weekend for Fiorentina is going to wake them up, and uh, they've been playing really well in Europe and 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 just in general uh, mm-hmm. on all three fronts, right? So yeah, I, I like that two nothing scoreline, but for Fiorentina on the road, which would be a, an amazing scoreline because going to Lech Poznan is never easy. So, yep. All right, let's move on here and let's go into match week 29 here for Serie A. We begin with uh, Salernitana and Inter 1-1 the final there. It would be a goal from Robin Gozens six minutes into the match uh, to give Inter the lead. It was 1-0 for an eternity until the 90th minute where Antonio Candreva just heaves one, catches Onana off his line and rescues a point. The former Interman haunting his old team. So we had one Interman doing some damage on his old team. We had another inter- former Interman helping his old team. It's, it's all kind of balanced out. And then, yeah, uh, yeah so is, is Sensi fit for uh, for, for Monza? Uh, he might be. Figure uh, out what he's going to do. Did he score? No, I don't know. He, I think he is healthy now. <laughs> so should keep an eye on that. So Because that would be the next thing you want to take a look at. And, the, you know, former Inter players and what they're going to do. Because they're – they're going they're, they're going crazy themselves. But didn't Sansone uh, play for them too? Who's that? Sansone? No, I no, he's in Napoli. He Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, not speaking of Napoli, they won two one at Lecce. Giovanni Di Lorenzo in the 18th minute, uh, and then it was a Federico Di Francesco in the 52nd, a 64th minute uh, own goal, a very bizarre one from uh, Gallo. Um, can only say that I think he was just trying to like non foot it back to Falcone and it just went horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, Milan, uh, nil nil against Empoli after out shooting them 23 to two. Um, uh, just one of those days for the Rossoneri, really. Uh, four saves, uh, for the goalkeeper, um, whose name escapes me, Parisian, is it? Yes. I thought it was Persian, but it's Perisan. Perisan, Perisan, yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, man of the match there, made four saves, made a couple of decent ones. Luperto looked pretty good playing in the back, too, doing some mm-hmm. defending. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you ask me on Twitter, they were horrible, but I don't know how you can shoot, out shoot an opponent 23-2 to and be horrible. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. Um, so... Uh, moving on to Sunday's games began with Udinese and Monza. Very entertaining game here. Uh, 26 shots between both teams. A 2-2 draw as it ended up. Uh, Sandy Lovrich in the 18th minute uh, getting on the score sheet. Andrea Colpani with a goal of the week candidate in the 48th minute yeah. uh, making it 1-1. Nicola Rovella in the 56th. Not a nice goal of the week. It was a great ball by Sensi. Yeah, Sensi's yeah. fit. He had the assist. I know yeah. he I, I, I figured. 
Um, and then uh, in 92nd minute, Beto with a penalty uh, to spoil it for Monza and get a point for Udinese. Uh, Tanya tried to eat somebody in the penalty box and causes a penalty. Yeah, this is this is true. So let me ask Milan on Twitter: Is Fiorentina terrible because they outshot Spezia nineteen to four and can only come away with a one-one draw? Um, so, yeah, uh, just you know certain facets. Uh, it was an own goal for Fiorentina though. Um, it was Wisniewski, uh, but then thirty-second minute uh, goal of the week candidate for me, uh, Dragovski, the goalkeeper, big ball. To Mbalanzola, this is a man's goal. How he had to fight yeah. off the defender yeah. and finish that. Uh, Milan's prioritizing a striker uh, for the summer, and and I'm I'm coming around to. I'd be perfectly happy to see Enzola in a Milan shirt. Yeah, so I would too. Um, but uh, but you know, imagine with the players around him, what he might be able to do and how dynamic he can be. Uh, but one one there uh, between Fiorentina and Spezia. Uh, Bologna with a win at Atalanta. Man, Tiago Motta has done it again. Nicola Sansone in the 48th minute. Uh, and then in the 86th, Ricardo Orsolini uh, sealing the win there. Battle of 19th against 20th. It was Sampdoria and Cremonese. And it it lived up game. to the it lived up to the stench. Um, it was fun bad. Um, yeah. mainly the defending. Uh, Medi Leris getting his first Sampdoria goal in the 15-minute. Great cross from Algello. Uh, but then it was Giglioni in the 35th, uh, making it 1-1 for Cremonese. Lammers getting his first Sampdoria goal in the 66. Once again, Algello with a cross. Get him on a better team, please. Please. Um, 85th minute, Luca Lokoshvili making it 2-2. And then Leonardo Sanicola in the 95th minute, uh, giving uh, Cremonese some hope here um, in the uh, you know in in the process of trying to survive. Hellas Verona. Speaking of teams trying to survive, two one over Sassuolo. Uh, it was Abdul Harawi uh, in the thirty fourth minute uh, for Sassuolo, but then in the eighty fourth, Federico Ceccarini in the to to make it one one from Ngonja, another guy that we really like Ngonja. Um, and then in the 95th minute, a goal of the week candidate, Adolfo Gaich with a Hail Mary on Easter weekend. Wow. Um, that was near midfield, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was far out there. Yep, and caught uh, Consigli off his line for the win. Roma beating uh, Torino 1-0 on a Dybala penalty, and then which takes us to the match between Lazio and Juventus. Uh, a win for Maurizio Sarri's men. 38th minute, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic on an assist from Mattia Zaccagni uh, after getting some good separation from Alexandro. Alexandro trying to sell that he was shoved, made a meal out of it. Referees weren't buying it. Thankfully, they got that right. Yes. Uh, made it 1-0. Uh, but just minutes later, Adrian Rabio after Lazio really struggling to deal with a Juventus corner, uh, bungling it in over the line, making it 1-1. And then it was Matias Akanyi in the 53rd minute, goal of the week candidate, beautiful backheel pass from Luis Alberto uh, for Lazio to go on and win the match. Uh, I assume that's where you want to start, Richard. Yeah, that was uh, obviously the game of the weekend. Um, and, you know, it's a team that wasn't two, it wasn't two, wasn't second place at the time, still are. Uh, I played against a team, Juventus is one of the hottest teams in the league outside of Napoli. Uh, and really, we're going to see what Lazio are made of. Um, 
they've had some really good performances this year, obviously beating some teams um, in the top six that they hadn't really gotten in the past. Uh, and so I was curious to see how this would work. Would it be Saudi ball or Allegri ball? Common sense would tell you Allegri ball would probably win the, the prevail in this one. But what we saw is Lazio from the beginning really putting the uh, the onus on Juventus and put him on their back foot. I mean, Saudi ball was out to play, the one-touch passing, the beautiful pass that spread the ball around. Uh, Felipe Anderson was wonderful from the right-hand side, as was Akanya on the left-hand side. Uh, Chidi Mobile was trying to get his – he nearly got some goals early on, early on in the game. Um, and obviously the two guys in the middle, you know, I'm going to talk about, you know, um, oh, my gosh, Luis Alberto and Sergei Milikovic-Savic. They were fantastic, uh, and both were crucial in their goals that happened in the game. Obviously, Milikovic-Savic with the goal, uh, and then Luis Alberto with that phenomenal back heel flick uh, to set up Zakani for the goal. Yeah. Well-deserved goal. I mean, I think you got to give Juventus credit. They obviously are a good team. They, they responded quickly after Lazio had scored. But Lazio just were just too good at home. Uh, and all credit goes to Sadi. We talked about masterful performances, in particular Zaghi in Champions League. You can say the same thing for Sadi, I think. And uh, he had his team ready to play. He knew exactly what he wanted to, how he wanted his team to, to hit, attack Juventus. And they did it phenomenally. And yeah, 2 1 victory there. Uh, much deserved. They could have really won 3 1. I think Zakani had a second goal that was end up taking off or offsides, rightly, rightly called. Um, but yeah, Lazio making a statement in this game, I think, saying that, you know, hey, we are going to keep that second place spot. You're going to have to earn it to beat us. Uh, and, you know, really both Roman clubs are putting the onus on the Milanese clubs to say, hey, <laughs> come get us. We're, we're, the, we're the new dogs in town. So uh, yeah. great performance by Lazio, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, they keep and, – and and what's important is they keep creating separation. Um they're now seven points clear of Inter. Um, a little bit of insurance policy if Juventus somehow get their 15 points back. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, yeah, big time, big time. But uh, they're, I think they're safely going to the Champions League yeah. next season at this point. They are yeah. very difficult. Uh, they're going to be very difficult to, go, to, to, to beat here for the duration. They got it all, don't they? I mean, the, I think the only thing they're really, really missing is the defensive midfield. They got one that's decent right now, but I mean, no, I got... think the defensive midfield has been an improvement with their team and and, sure. and, sure. and the center backs. I think you know, Cataldi, whether it's Cataldi or uh, who's the other fellow that they put back there. Um, I just had the I just had the team lineup out, and I put it away. This, either way, it's a good team. It's a good team that they have here. Uh, obviously, can play defense. They can obviously score goals, uh, and they can play one touch, beautiful passing too. I mean, this is Sari's finally got them playing the way they want, and it seems like all is well in Sari and uh, Luis Alberto world. I guess the the conflict that they've had is gone, and and mm. they seem to be on the same page at least for the time being. Vecino, Vecino, and, and Cataldi oh, have yeah. have taken turns at that position, yeah, yeah. and it's been a relative relative improvement. I mean, it was Lucas Leiva before that. So I still think they need to be better in the fullback positions. Um, I, I Madison yeah, and Hustai yeah. are not going to be sustained no. uh, success. I think that that is Lazio's priority uh, in the window um, uh, in the Mercato this summer. Maybe another midfielder, maybe another attacker too. Um, but I think it's paramount that they grab two fullbacks, um, you know, in this Mercato. Guys that are going to be more dynamic than what they've played with. Uh, than what they've than the, what they've been accustomed to having. So, um, you know, so that would be 
that would be where I would look to try to strengthen this team. And then you give yourself a really good starting 11. Uh, they go to Spezia next, uh, and then they host Torino. Um, they also have the benefit of no Europe. Everybody else around them is still in Europe. Exactly. But then they got, they're got they at Inter, host Sassuolo at Milan. So they have a great chance over those games, and that's between April 30th and May 6th. So that's that, in, that space of that entire week. They have a great chance to really get this um, solidified. solidified with those right. games. That's a huge week for them coming up um, because then falling down Lecce at Udinese. Udinese might be hitting the beach by then. Cremonese at home. Cremonese might already be relegated by them. And then Empoli at the end where Empoli is going to be – they're going to give up. We might so, have a good idea of the top four after that week. Yeah. So Lazio from April 30th through May 6th, those three games, at Inter, hosting Sassuolo, at Milan – Seven points out of those nine, for sure, stone-cold lock in the Champions League, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, you know, and those are the three games. That's their season. That entire week is their season at this point, yeah. um, in my opinion. Um, let's talk about Milan and Inter on Friday and their decisions with their lineups, their decisions with how they played, and in particular Milan, Okay. Because I had a huge problem with much of Milan Twitter. I, I clashed with a lot of them. There was a lot of frustration about only getting a nil-nil draw against Empoli. You know, and I I, I took the more glasses half full approach. Um, and I said, okay, number one, uh, we got out of this game with Empoli with Leal, Giroud, uh, Tonali, Benacer, Teo, all the key, all the key players, all fit for Napoli. Nobody got hurt. Okay, um, we're still going to be top four after this weekend, regardless of what everybody else does. And uh, outshot Empoli twenty three to two. Good enough to win the game. Played well enough to win the game. Had put a lineup out there that was good enough to win. All right, but I had a lot of kickback from people saying, well, if we would have played the regular starters, we would have won one in a walk, play them right away, play them right, play them from the start and then take them out after 60 minutes. Okay. To, to the, to the credit of that line of thinking, I, there's some merit to that. Okay. There's some merit to that because I've seen it happen before, you know, where, you know, guy goes out, gets you a couple goals, gets you a two goal lead. And then at minute 60, okay, job's done. Get him off the pitch before he gets hurt have them ready for Operation Champions League kind of thing. I get it. But if you're going to live in the hypothetical, you're going to have to accept the fact that there is a multitude of outcomes in the hypothetical. The other, the, the counterpoint to that, okay, start Rafael Leal. Blows out his knee 10 minutes into the match. Yeah. You'll blame Pioli for playing him in the game just days before they're supposed to play Napoli in the Champions League quarterfinals. Exactly. And you'll... But instead, you're blaming Pioli for not starting the starters in a game where they outshot Empoli 23-2, to had plenty of chances to win the game. Sometimes you just don't score goals, regardless of – and who's to say that the starters were going to be presented with those same chances and score? Exactly. Okay? You can't – this is where I, where I hate the hypothetical. Um, you know, 
which is which is what Milan fans were trying to do. I I think there is just a there's just a percentage of Milan Twitter that's out there that just want to blame Pioli for anything because they don't want him to be the manager anymore. And there's a lot of them out there, and I don't understand it. I don't. The also let's remember this because I said this last year too. Part of a manager's job and part of his responsibility is to look to manage the key word, manage the team, manage the overall well-being of the team, okay? He put out an 11 that, in my opinion, was good enough to beat Empoli, all right? Now, if Empoli spanked Milan off the pitch, I'd be talking a lot different. And you say, what what in the world were you thinking? You know, but that didn't happen, okay? The team performed. Players were given an opportunity that they normally don't get. I think they were all right. I don't think they were great. I thought they were all right. But we can't sit here and say that Leal would have scored a brace if he started. We can't sit there and say that Giroud would have scored a brace if he started. I just, I can't, I can't accept that. Yeah. It's, uh, and we've also seen it too where they start the starters and they lose. Mm-hmm. They lose, right? It's happened before. Absolutely. Every fan base has their pessimists. Uh, Inter, yeah. Inter are our cousins. They're exactly the same, right? They're yeah. saying the same things about Inzaghi in the league. And yeah. oh, by the way, both these teams have their, both these managers have their teams deep in the Champions League with the potential of being in the semifinals against each other. And if that happens, I don't want to hear anybody complain ever again. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, it, you, I understand this, the whole let the starter start and then get an early lead and then get out. But you said somebody can get hurt. And at this point of the Champions League, when especially if you have intentions of going deeper, you got to rest the guys when you can. Uh, and Inter were doing the same thing, and, and they were struggling in their game. Yeah, they got a goal or lead, but you know they ended up giving up a goal. You got to manage. You have to manage your your, your team accordingly. Uh, we've seen too many teams in the past, both Milan and Inter, or Lazio was with uh, Lazio and Sadi, not Lazio, uh, Napoli and Sadi in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Playing your players too much, and then they're paying for it. Um, yeah, it's never easy. No matter what the call is, it's never easy. But I guarantee you, like you said, had Milan started the starters and one of their key cogs blown out their knee, that's a fireball offense almost. Mm-hmm. Almost. It's almost far, that's much more. It's a better situation to lose a game or draw a game with all your starters healthy for a big tie versus someone gets injured and you get a tie or, or even a win. Even if you get a win, right? You get a win, but one of your key players goes out injured, right? I mean, Napoli are without Osiman and mm-hmm. Simeone. Yeah, you know, um, so yeah, it's it's a hard battle, and I it, it just there's a lot of people who are pessimists out there, and it's like you know, slow your roll, like you're still in the top four, like it's not like Milan or tenth. You, if you, some of these comments to me, it seem like oh they're in a, they're they're in tenth place right now. Like, no, they're not. They're in they're in the top four. They're in fourth, and they are deep in. They have a chance of going to the semifinals of Champions League. Like I'm not yeah. that stressed about it. And like you said, they performed. They just didn't score. They they were terrible in the final third, but they had shots. They had opportunities. Um, I still don't understand why like Adley and, and CDK don't start, but that's another another topic. Um, I think you know, manager's got to do what he's got to do, and it's and sometimes they make a difficult call about do I start my my starters or not. Uh, and you know, either way, you're going to get hit pushback. And I think you know, long as they weren't out out performed on the pitch, then you know. It, it is what it is. It's always going to be a trap game. I think even Lisi said it was going to be a trap game on oh, his predictions um, for Fosse de Leone. So um, 
it was an obvious trap game. This is gonna be an obvious trap game for for Inter coming up this weekend. It was also against Lernitano's a trap game as well. So yeah. um it just it is what it is sometimes. You're not gonna make everybody happy, and it's nature of the uh calcio beast or just sporting pieces in general. I mean, I'm sure United fans, Liverpool fans are the same way. So uh yeah. it just it's what you gotta deal with, I guess. <laughs> I mean, and 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 Milan have they're basically there's a game here every three days. All right. So Inter, same thing right now. There's a game every three days. Um, so then they get Bologna, and then they're going to have – they've got Napoli tomorrow. They've got Bologna. Then they've got the return leg against Napoli. Then then uh, Lecce. Then, they got, then they've got five days before they go to Roma. But then three days they play Cremonese, and then three days they play Lazio. All right? You know, and then somewhere the Champions League semis are going to get sandwiched in there, aren't they? If they – you know, should they qualify? They got to go to Juve. All right. There's a lot of critical games left here. Yeah. And at some point, you got to mix this up a little. You, you you made the Saudi Napoli reference. I made that reference on Twitter too. He ran 14 guys into the ground trying to win a Scudetto. They were burned out by Absolutely. the beginning of April. Absolutely. And what did they lose the league by? Like eight points or something like that to Juve? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you can't just jam the starters into every game. You've got to have some reasonable degree of rotation, okay? Uh, Anthony talking about Pobega starting. In the, when Pobega or Krunic play in that position, they're really not an attacking midfielder. They're a space – they're more of an occupier of space in a higher position. They're more of a presser in a higher position. They're not really in there – they're not really in there for their creativity. They're in there to win balls in higher positions in front of Tonali and Benacer. Yep. So I don't like characterizing Pobega or Krunic as a 10 or as a central attacking midfielder uh, when they play in that role. We, we, we got to come up with a new name for them when it's them starting in that, you know, uh, quote unquote, 10 role. The Kessie um, role. False 10. <laughs> so <laughs> a false Kessie. A bullshit 10. We can call them or something like that. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, a, a not really a ten, <laughs> so <clears throat> ten but not a ten, something like that. So you know, and um, I think I think also, most fans what they want is their team to be challenging for Scudetto or a title in their league, and then going deep in Champions League. And like that's yeah. very rare. It's very rare. Let's see a lot of money, and your team's been down for a long time. That's going to happen. Most of Milan and Inter success, well, maybe not Inter because they had the trouble, but Milan's success has mostly been, and I've said this before, and I'm saying ad nauseum, is that. When they've won, when they when they've gone deep in the Scudetto in the Champions League and won and win the Champions League, they didn't necessarily win the league. It's very few times when they win the league and, and the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So keep that in the back of your mind. It's hard. It's hard and doing win the Coppa Italia. When's the last time someone won a treble? Uh, Inter, twenty eleven, uh, or twenty ten? Excuse me. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to do. Hard to win yeah. on all fronts. It yeah. just is. Yeah, you need you need a lot of things to go right for you. Yes. Um, you need the ball to bounce perfectly for you to win a treble. It's not easy. Could they have I better mean, depth? Maybe, yeah. But can have all the money and the scouting and the ability to assess talent to assemble your squad and the most talented squad you can possibly put together. Winning a treble is hard. Okay. I mean, hell, just look at PSG through the years. Can just can can't even get can't even get a sniff of Europe. And they have Three of the three of the greatest attacking players in this generation, all in the right. same lineup. Huh, yeah, 
you know? So, um, it's just, it's, it's hard. So, um, where else do we want to go? Cause we should give some other teams some, some recognition here. Um, um, well, you know, Hellas, they're trying to find a way to get out of uh, relegation. They put a hell of a performance against uh, Sassuolo. Obviously, Sassuolo got the early lead, and they kept fighting in there. I mean, Cecharini got his goal, but then that, you know, horrendous error by Consili that gave it away, and then Gaich with his heads-up play is getting away. I mean, it's well done by Hellas. You know, everyone's getting ready to write him off, but... Well, I think with the, with that with that win, they're they're getting a little bit closer to Spezia. It doesn't help that Spezia um, are still getting points. Yeah. One or one point is, is enough right now. They got a, the lead is now four points between them and, and Spezia. Um, so they're, they're trying to they're trying to make some room there. But um, yeah, just a good result for them. They needed that result. I think it was big for them. Uh, and some some players, some unsung heroes in particular, Cecharini and, and Gaich, really stepped up. And it's funny because Gaich that was an interesting five minutes because Gaich had this terrible giveaway. Just minutes before, like in the 93rd, 93rd minute, uh, and the, the keeper had Montebo had to make a fantastic save to keep him in the game. And then they go down the other side of the pitch, and Gaich gets a game winner. It was just a, a unreal scripted story, it seemed like, there for Hellas Verona to get that win there. So, yeah, big ups to them for getting that, that big win against Asuolo. Yeah, I agree. Um, what, uh, I mean, they're inching closer, though. Um, they're inching, you know, they're inching closer. It has to be said. You still got Lecce who continue to lose. Yeah. Um. I I, I still think Verona have the talent to get out of this. Um, yeah. yeah. Nine games left. Anything can happen, and you sometimes you just need something like that to spark things. Um. And get it get it going. So we'll see. Um. We'll see what happens. I mean, you look at the rest of this. Um. You know. Bologna still trying to, you know, maybe hoping Juve don't get the points and that they can trip up and they can sneak into seventh and grab Conference League. Uh, Fiorentina's in that conversation as well. It's uh, what a special season Bologna's having yeah. um, under Tiago Motta. But you know what? We thought Bologna could do this. Yeah. You know, I think they, as, 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 as much as Sinise Mihailovic has been revered and God rest his soul, they were really, really underachieving under him, Absolutely. you know, down down the stretch, you know, and and Tiago Mota has raised the level of play of this team, you know, where they've got a level of confidence where they can beat anybody. Yeah. Um, they, they feel like they can beat anybody. Milan, after they're done with Napoli, they got to go there this weekend uh, to the Delata. So yeah. um, not That's easy. Cool. Nope. Yeah, n- n- not easy at all. So and, and Atalanta saw that uh, firsthand. So. Um, you know, after that, um, yeah, not much to look at. I mean, Cremonese jumps ahead of Sampdoria, you know, Vito Doria and I were talking about this and it's like, you know, Sampdoria is a brand name that I would like to see in Serie A, but he is a Sampdoria supporter himself. And he said, you know what? They're stale. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need new blood. Yep. It's, you know, let's, let's freshen this league up a little bit. And if I mean, Genoa. Genoa just went through their rivals. They just went through the same thing. They got they went down to Serie B. And now yeah. they're one of the best teams in Serie B. So they had that little rejuvenation there, and now they're coming back. It looks like so. Sampdoria maybe need the same thing. I mean, yep, yeah, for sure. For sure. I saw comments. I saw comments that you know you got to get rid of get, get rid of some of the dead weight, the, the wages, right, and then some of the pensioners that they have on the team. And like you know, I love Quadriello. Is it maybe time for him to hang in the boots or try somewhere else? Like he's going to be a freaking uh, legend there, obviously, if and do right, but. 
I mean, like guys like Jacarini, like or not Jacarini, um, uh, what's his name, Gabbiadini. Like that's a lot of wages there. Like you got to get rid of him and some other, a bunch of other guys. Juricic, sell him, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's just yeah, they got maybe start over. They've just relied on a lot of older, slower guys, and we've talked about this. Where's the pace? Where's the guys that can really unlock things? I mean, you can't just. I mean, yeah, they got you know, Ajella with two assists against Cremonese here, but you can't go ninety minutes just depending on Ojella to provide service for everybody. Yeah, you know, there's the you're going to have to come. You have to come up with different things, and Sampdoria has been just so short of stuff. Uh, now, I hope. This doesn't do Dejan Stankovic in that if this, I hope that they've agreed to something that if this yeah. was going to be their fate mm-hmm. and they knew it, that he got, he gets to stay and be part of that project to bring it back up. Cause I think, I, like I think he's a good manager. I think he's, you know, he did some pretty nice things with Serena's Vezda. He made them competitive um, in, you know, whether he it was Champions League or whether it was Europa League. They certainly didn't, obviously, they didn't qualify or go deep or any of that other stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you watch those teams fought, you know, and they played for their coach. Um, they just weren't as good as the teams they were up against. You know, I mean, they 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 managed to pull a couple of wins at home, especially at home. But I think that there's something there if you can let him have a chance to build the project in his in his vision in his way. You know, regroup in Serie B, and they can come right back up. Yeah, that's true. Um, only thing I only thing I want to say about this match week left um, is again. Racism uh, reared its ugly head in yeah. the Juve Lazio matchup. This time it was Lazio, Lazio fans against uh, Cuadrado, uh, and it just seems to be a, a, a never-ending pandemic uh, in in, in City A. It's, it's all European football, but we're we sure. focusing on City A, obviously. Uh, last week, obviously, was with the whole with the Lukaku thing, and uh, Juventus have you know they banned the curva for one game. Whoop de do. Somehow Lukaku got the yellow card kept on there he didn't he didn't get taken away which is mind-blowing to me um so it's just it's a problem but did you catch the commentary on on uh, the champions league uh cbs uh cbs sports Galasso uh between the, the fantastic crew there for champions league talking about did you hear did you catch that with thierry Henry and, and company i didn't see that no so they had they had uh, christina uncle on there and they're trying to ask if you know was the referees to blame blame on that one like and she even said, like, I would, you know, knowing the context situation, I probably wouldn't have given him the yellow. But she said, like, you know, the baffling thing was how FIGC just upheld it. Like, they knowing what they know of the game, everyone heard everything was going on in the game. They still decided to keep him with the red card, and he's missing the second tie of the Kobe tie, which is mind blowing. Um, and I think Thierry Henry and Mike Richards were fantastic in their commentary about like their experiences in City A with with um, with racism and. They had a special guest on the, on there with uh, Alessandro Del Piero. Yep, Juventino, great, uh, and I, I like him. I, I really, I really do like him. Um, maybe his English isn't that great because that's not his, it's not his first language. You got to give him a break. But they asked him his thoughts, and obviously he's probably going to try to defend Juventus for a, l- a little bit. And he was, it was, it was hard to watch because I think that everybody else was so brilliant on on, on the on the topic, and he was kind of saying leaning towards like, oh, you know, it is getting better in Italy, and it's like, is it? It's not getting better. No, you know it should not. be getting better, but it's not. And you know, in this day and age with all the cameras and everything, it seems like it's just as bad as it ever was. And I get what he's trying to say, but it, it seemed very awkward. I, I thought the segment was good up until that point when they asked him his thoughts. Uh, and you know, again, I, I like I like Del Piero a lot, but I just think it it is almost like he was defending. It was like, oh yeah, we're getting better, and it's it, it's Italy, and I'm like, no man, that's I'm not cool with that. <laughs> 
I think that their their campaigns and everything that they do to half-assed. address it's half assed is absolutely a perfect way of putting it. I actually had a conversation with you know just kind of a, with someone um, after the Juve Inter uh, Copa game um, was talking you know just. Why is it so? Why is it so bad? And I said, I, I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. Um, you know, I said it's pathetic. And I said, and the problem is, I think the problem is, is that the leadership, you know, is so like yes. half-assed about doing anything about it. And when they have a campaign or do anything about it, it's really hard to take it seriously because it looks like it's just something they just threw together and that sort of thing. You know, like what they do to um, to try to promote. Uh, preventing domestic violence with the the red mark on the cheek, and I think the words I said to him, I said, "Listen, <laughs> you don't watch a City I game and look at a bunch of dudes with a red mark on a cheek and say, hey, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't beat my wife.' Okay? <laughs> exactly. Um, it's my comment, my 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 common sense, how I was raised in my own upbringing. That's going to tell me, no, don't beat your wife. That's not a good idea. So, yeah. um, you know, so it's." It's 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 like it's just kind of like all right and 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 I think the obnoxiousness of the leadership that they just throw something out there and feel like they've done enough, you know, yeah, is what's I, is what's mind boggling to me. And what's also you know it's also I don't know I don't remember if it was this this incident with Lukaku or what, but I remember the Interkurva came out and said, hey, you know, th- it wasn't actually racism. You know, it was like, this is how we do it in Italy. And, and they did this in the past. He was like, get the get the hell out of here. Like, for, no, you're backwards. Yeah. Just get out of the game. You're banned. And the FIGC, like you said, are the biggest problem. It's a bunch of old dudes who are stuck in their old ways, who don't know how to get out of their own, out of anybody's way. They need to all go and put a whole new FIGC in there, hopefully with people who have better thought processes and, and ideas. Because what they're, what they're portraying to us is, pathetic it is pathetic yeah. and it's not just city it's not i mean we just had a whole thing with venetius uh, venetius jr over in, in uh with barcelona madrid. and real madrid mm-hmm. um so it's not just Serie a. we're not I mean, we're not saying that but the city uh they got to figure out their own shit and they're what they're doing is half-assed for sure and it's it's pathetic and like i said yeah. it was awkward watching del piero who who i love um in italy great uh, juventus great and they put him in a, a difficult situation granted and English is not his first language. Maybe he didn't mean to say what he exactly said, but it's it it, it just seemed like he was like, oh yeah, it's getting better, and you know, it's it's, it's not a, it just didn't turn out as well as I think he would hope. And uh, Thierry Henry was absolutely livid, and just he he did his best to keep quiet on the on the topic, but you know, yeah, it's a it, it was just awkward situation for sure. Anybody who saw it, and I, I recommend go watching it for yourself, and don't take my word for it. You know, just go watch it. Uh, a good conversation was about it, but you know, Nopiero was put in a difficult situation in not his native lung- language, and so it didn't turn out the greatest for him or City. M- marginally, marginally cringe would probably be a good way to yeah, yeah, be a good way to describe it. So, oh dear, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's alarming. It's it's pathetic, but. It's yeah. the it's the league they gave us, <laughs> so um, you know it's it's what it, you know it's just uh, it's just the way it is. And until some more younger progressive leaderships you know gets into the key positions, we're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's going to change. So, yep. um, but anyway, um, how do we segue to goals of the week after that? 
He's got to try to get something more positive. This is why this is not a professional podcast. (laughs) This is right. Yeah, we're not experts, nor do we claim to be, right? Um, Yeah, in in the words (laughs) of our friend, uh, our friends, Vinny and Steve. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So uh, my honorable mention will go to Geish, uh, his game winner over over Consili and and Sassuolo uh, for uh, Hellas Verona. Number five for me, Rovella. I like Rovella's team goal. It was a wonderful team goal, I thought. Yeah. Wonderful finish by him. Uh, Number four, Cernicola, his winner. I really liked his goal a lot. Uh, number three, my player of the weekend, uh, Guillermo Ochoa with a fantastic goal on save on the Vry. He was literally in the back of the net and finds a way to dive out and makes a save on the goal line on him. He had yeah. like a million saves in the game. Fantastic for Salernitana. He, so he needs to go to a bigger team. I mean, he'll get a lot of shots with Salernitana, but man, he's a good goalkeeper still at his age. Candreva's mm-hmm. goal. Very, very similar to uh, Shevchenko's goal against Juventus, where from the corner and goes for the cross and gets in the top corner. Wonderful goal by him. I didn't get to see if he celebrated or not. Uh, I was too busy, like in awe of the goal. Uh, but it was wonderful. Number two for me. Number one, uh, it's a team goal. Felipe Anderson to the back heel flick from Luis Alberto. So there's a Connie game winning goal there. Um, right. Yeah, it's just that, that's my goal of the week right there. Okay. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with. At number five, uh, uh, Enzola's goal for Spezia. Yeah. Um, and just a man's goal, as we said. I'll go with the Candreva goal there at number four. Um, the Cernicola goal at number three. Zakani with Zakani number two. My goal of the week is Gaich's goal from okay. from distance to yeah. win a game. I mean, it's almost a buzzer beater uh, was, uh, yeah. to win oh. a game, really. Yeah. So. Uh, so I'll go that route, and I'll, I'll just to be different. I'll go with Gaich's goal, but man, Zakanyi's goal was special. All five of these goals were really good. Yeah, um, yeah good week of so, goals. Uh, it was a you know it was a it was it was a very good week for goals. So. Hey, goalkeepers too. I mean Ochoa, but also Motipo was great. Uh, Skorupski was great. I think Dragowski had a good good weekend as well. I mean, there's some really good goalkeeper performances as they are every week, right? Yeah. Dino joining us uh, about Milan versus Napoli. Napoli without strikers. So we would you know we we talk, we covered this earlier, Dino. We we think uh, Raspadori may start um, or play some role, so there will be a striker of some note. Well, we think that Milan will win the first leg by a goal. Or you do. I, I do. You th- I do. You I think it'll be a score draw, one one. So, yeah. uh, so that's where we're at on that. And then, Much you know, better than that four nothing game for sure. Yes, Cliff Notes version. But glad you can join us, Dino. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So we covered that. So we've covered everything. Well, no, we we one more thing. So one more thing. Um. Some of the stories breaking about Roberto Mancini considering Rayan Cherky. Uh, for those who don't know, he plays for Lyon in Ligue 1. He's a, I believe, an attacking midfielder, maybe a winger. Um, My dog has more Italian than uh, than uh, Cherokee. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your thoughts on this? It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, and if it, if it doesn't work, maybe it's time for Mancini to go. I mean, I get <clears throat> there's beef between him and Zakani. Yeah. There's some other fantastic Italians that you could call up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's holding this against Zakani, and I don't know the full story, and I don't know the full context, but uh, he's got some beef with Zakani and is going to refuse to call him up when Zakani is clearly the best Italian attacker that you could call up. Clearly, right. I think yeah. by far. Uh, and you're not, and you're going to, you're going to, you're potentially not going to get qualified again, potentially. And if it does, he should be in a Ventura type situation. I mean, um, 
It's good. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't blow up in his face. And obviously, they found it with Retegui, um uh, a nice fine. Maybe the fine will hear with Cherokee. But I mean, he just he's trying to anybody who has Italian DNA as one of the who encountered Twitter nomination will see. He goes for them. We may get call ups too. Uh, but he's not going to call Zakani. The one guy, well, him and Casale, right? Casale is another one, right? With defense. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I personally, I, I have a, I have a bigger beef with Casale because I don't think the center backs that we call up to the Azzurri are, are I, I think that he belongs up there. Zakani, I, I get the beef that everybody has. I get the gripes that everybody has. But for me, I think we're pretty good in the winger areas. I mean, when you got sure, Berardi, yeah. you've got Chiesa, you've got. Ganonto, when he's fit, has proven it a little bit here. Um, you know, so there's some – and maybe there's some characteristics with Zaccagni that Mancini just doesn't like either. I don't know what they are, but we've seen this where national yeah. team managers pass on guys that we think should be in, and we've said this before. The most Benzema. prime example was 2018 when Deschamps didn't take Benzema and yeah. France won the World Cup. Yeah. So, you know, it, it happens and, you know, we, you know, but it's, it, it makes for great conversation and great debate here. So do you think, I, I personally think, you know, the best back center back pair note that Zuri could put at the moment would be the Lazio one, Romagnoli yeah. and, and yeah. Castale, just because they've done it together. Why couldn't they, they have the chemistry without a doubt together? Without a doubt. You've got them playing well together. You play a four, three, three, Lazio plays a four, three, three, just go ahead and stick them there. Um, you know, but I mean, after today, you know, a Serbian, uh, Bastoni, uh, <laughs> you know, made their case. So there's yeah. still plenty of good. I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, the way, the way Casali and Romagnoli have played together has been pretty special. So, yeah. but coming back to this Cherokee thing, I mean, it's just, I used to think 3% of talent, like he must've took a 23 and me test or something like that. And, and, <laughs> and yeah. And, 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 and found these 3% Italian and that got Mancini's uh, attention or something like that. But I won't be grudging. I mean, I, I wouldn't, if the kid says, I, yeah, I'll play for Italy. I, he's sure. a decent, he's a decent talent. Yeah, it's just really, really strange. The circumstances, I guess the depths you'll go to, to avoid having, you know, particular players on your team is yeah. I think where the backlash is. He in, scours in, in the 23 and me site for the first person says Italian. Like, oh, I want to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Anyway, any ounce of Italian and Mancini will call you up exactly. So, That's right. we're next, Frank. Yeah. Um, well, I <laughs> I have way more Italian than Cherokee does, so it's probably probably getting do. passed over. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Anyway, you have a better shot at making it than I do. So. That's true. That's true. Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with all of that put aside, let's get on with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, take it away. All righty. Let me get the stream up. Boom. There it is. Okay. So starting things off, we're going to go with uh, Inter Extra. And they said, uh, so designate, this is after the uh, <laughs> after the Juve Copitale game with uh, Inter. And it says, uh, designator Gianluca Rocchi says, the striker celebration, which had already been seen with the national team, was accompanied by the words, muti muti, means shut up in Italian, which the law in the rule book sees as provocatory. Get the fuck out of here. This is, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, really? Get, this should not have been a yellow card. Get the hell out it's of here. It's disgusting. What can you say? Um, oh, my God. What can you say? Did Art Morelli do another Star Wars uh, crawl? It might be the same one, I think. 
Is this the same one? I think it is the same one. Yeah. We can't give him credit for. We can't give him credit for. <laughs> he won with this before. He has. He has. Are we gonna? No, I'm not watching the whole thing. I just wanted to. <laughs> it's a whole Cassiopoli thing, but it was in response to what was it in response to? Someone was asking. Uh, uh, there, it was a thing between Juve and Inter fans, and then uh, Art chimed in, explaining it in Juve terms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Do you want to do this next one? Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, next one comes in from uh, at Masalanissimo, and it's Berlusconi in May after AC Milan will have won their eighth Champions League, and it's a casket on the back of the truck. The hell? It's going to come out of the casket and dancing on the truck. <laughs> oh, my God. Might be too soon for that, but, yeah, that's funny. That's hilarious. Uh, just a bit. Okay, so uh, Apex Crafter nominated Nima, uh, our friend over there at the Italian Football Podcast. Um, imagine if they did a similar video of stadiums in Italy uh, this is about the 10 venues for uh, Euro 2024 in Germany. Yeah. And then uh, Nima presents the video. <laughs> Poster fire. Uh, yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah, a lot of these stadiums, they're just they're just relics. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, moving on next. Uh, Bob nominated this next one. Oh, gosh. Uh, so uh, this is the old – if you know WWE or WWF, uh, you know this. But uh, it says, 26 years ago today, if you know, you know. And it says uh, – he says, meanwhile, in Italy, and this is when uh, Booker T dropped the N-word. And that's uh, like the – that's the. I, I saw see. that live when it happened. Yeah, I was too. like – and I had to like remind – did he just say that? And Sherry's so. face is like, he just said it. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yes, yes, I remember that. We remember that, so – all right, so it looks like we nominated that twice. So let's move on to our friend at Gillis15 underscore. Uh, this was after they beat Napoli Meal on Twitter on Sunday. They're all holding hands and singing Kumbaya. And today. Milan fans today, after the Empoli draw, <laughs> setting themselves on fire. Oh, that's true. Accurate. Very accurate. Very yeah. accurate. All right, uh, let's see. <laughs> so Matteo Bonetti, uh, Empoli goalkeeper Samuele Perisan, uh, pictured below, celebrates his cliche against Milan. <laughs> uh, our friend Gigi Buffon there. Uh, that was good. Napoleonismo's back. These guys again, huh? Mainyan yeah. when Padrado tries to punch him like he did to Hanovic. That's a good throw. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and that's because uh, Mainyan uh, shows him training. Uh, kickboxing a la Zlatan. So yeah. uh, that's what they're saying. He would uh, kick uh, his ass. So yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, this one comes from Lazio. This is my favorite here. Uh, so <laughs> this is after... So I'll give you some context. After the uh, Inter, or excuse me, Juve-Lazio game, Juve were complaining left and right about uh, uh, about the referee's calls, this and whatever, this and that. Uh, and so uh, Lazio, their official accountants, came out and says, oh, yeah, we can complain too, but we don't. And they created a whole video where Juve are just fouling them left and right, penalties. And it's like, we just move on. Happy Easter. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, another one from Napoleonismo Mancini. When someone gets 0.1% Italian on the gradient map. 
chasing him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we're funny. having a little fun at Roberto Mancini's expense. Yes, deservedly so. Uh, coming up from the Net Azzurri, the big show, or now it's Big Vesuvius. Uh, Jean Mario helping Inter today more than he, when he helped them when he was there. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anthony nominating at FCRBS oh, underscore around. English. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. Look at the whole world. Look around. Look around. Look at this. Oh, gosh, Drake. Status. Oh, Drake. <laughs> All right. And then finally... Finally, uh, V. Strandberg 9 is John Mario in the dressing room after the match. Un bacione a tutti. Gives it the badge of Inter after the, after the game, after the, uh, Benfica lose the Inter. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, that's All right, who wins? I personally like Lazio, but that's me. Um, what you got? This would be the first time a club actually won who won Calcio Twitter. If we did that, yeah. we've had clubs close, but yeah, we haven't had it one yet. Uh, let's see. I think it's between that Gillis and then uh, Napoleonismo with uh, Mancini chasing the zero point one percent Italian. <laughs> yeah, for me, those three, one of those three. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> I guess Lazio's having that kind of a season. They're going to even win Calcio Twitter. There you go. There Let's you go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's Lazio right. season, huh? Lazio season. Yep. Uh, uh, go ahead and say something to the people, and I'll uh, send up this congratulations. Uh, hi, people. How are you? <laughs> Excuse me. That's a cough. I have a coughing fit here. Uh, yeah, big game tomorrow. Um, give a shout out to the Raff and Raff Rant. They're going to have a live watch along for the Napoli Milan game. Definitely check it out on their YouTube page. Um, I'll try to chime in on the chat when I can uh, during my break at work. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that should be a fantastic game, a, a much closer game than we saw the last game these two teams played for nothing going for Milan. So um, big Champions League night. And so it's, um, man, I, I can't, that crowd at Sancito is going to be fantastic. I know it. Uh, and it yep. will be at the Maradona as well for the return leg, but uh, it should be an entertaining game. And again, we're going to be one step closer to potentially all semi- all Italian semifinal and an Italian in the finals. So uh, I'm, I'll cheers for that. Yep, absolutely. So uh, looking um, looking forward to this game tomorrow. Uh, Where are Parma right now? That's a good question. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna look that up and answer I'm that. I'm looking huh? up right now. Yeah. All I'm, right. I'm curious myself. You know. All right. Parma. Parma are in um, Seti B, and they are in ninth place, Ugh, the mid table. Yep. So they're not getting out of Seti B, but they're in Seti B right now. So I just want to take, I'm going to take this moment to give shouts out to uh, podcasts that have always supported us. Uh, and, and if I if I don't name you, please forgive me because I'm doing this kind of on the spot. But uh, you mentioned the Raff and Raff rant. Uh, excellent guys there. Um, We've always gotten along well with anybody that we've brought on from Napoli. They've been outstanding. Um, our, our friends at Milan Weekly Podcast, obviously, Vinny and Steve, have uh, been long overdue since you've had either of us on. So uh, we might want to, you know, you might want to get on that. Uh, Lazio, our friends over there at Lazio Lounge, uh, Vittorio, Alistair, and the guys, great stuff, uh, you know, yeah. for all things Lazio. Um, the Italian Football Podcast, Carlo and Nima, uh, good friends. 
um, guys that we get along with really well, guys that we uh, we appreciate their support, um, you know, for sure. Uh, and then also some uh, uh, some other sites, uh, Fossa Fossa de Leone, uh, Mike Lisi, uh, and his, you know, and his guys there, uh, great stuff. Um, you know, uh, appreciate your recognition. And then everybody, if I didn't name you, please forgive me, but you know who you are. Um, uh, so we we appreciate we appreciate it. So um, those are just a few. Any other ones that I missed? Uh, <clears throat> the gentleman ultra. Uh, yes, fantastic thank you. group of guys there. Um, we haven't had a gentleman ultra guy on in a long time, man. We had yeah, Mark yeah. Neal on so many times. I think he yeah. still holds the record for appearances. I think he so. still does too. Um, who else? Who else? Um, uh, John Solano. John Solano. We haven't talked to him in a while. Roma Press. Uh, I don't think he wants to be on our show anymore. After well, yeah, Roma always lose when they, when they, when, they, when he comes on. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we just have to get, can't get him on when uh, when Roma are playing Milan again. So. <laughs> That's coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, and then uh, shout out to the uh, all UV all UV cast. Uh, they've always supported us well. We support them yes. as well. Um, fantastic group of guys there. Uh, we had the ball of Lex uh, Lex here not too not too long ago too. So you know, we'll, we'll maybe get Alberto one of these uh, the gang uh, on the podcast, or maybe we'll join them here sometime, sometime soon. So yeah, it's a lot of pe- lot of good talented uh, podcasts out there. So definitely give them all a shout. Give them all some love. Yep. Um deserve for sure. Most most definitely. So. Um, with all of that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Setia Sit Down, where we have our own uh, channel on Apple Podcasts. You can find our own channel on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Setia Sit Down. I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. He's at R underscore K H A R M A N on Twitter. At Setia Sit Down on Twitter. Please uh, follow us there. Uh, comments. Uh, Anything that uh, you want us to cover on future podcasts, uh, we welcome the input. Um, if you are watching us here on our YouTube channel for the first time, please, if you please drop a like, please subscribe and hit that notification bell. This way, you are uh, given a heads up for when we go live on the air. If we do a video drop here, cityasitdown.com, uh, check that website out. Um, we're there. We're on Facebook when it's convenient for us um and also instagram at city asset i think i got it all covered sounds good all right we will be back next tuesday night where we will be able to have put the wraps on two magnificent legs between milan and napoli what will be an epic quarterfinal here in the uefa champions league uh and we'll talk about which team uh qualifies for the semifinal hopefully in, in all likelihood against inter um you all then sound good richard sounds good to me all right well that'll do it here for all of us at city i sit down and for the two of us at city i sit down he's richard i'm frank as always tell your paisans about us ciao